Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, Podcast 23. I'm your host, Brian. With me tonight for her, uh, what, third appearance, fourth appearance, her occasional appearance on the show is Jennifer. Hello. And occasionally here when he's not cutting out, Ian. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And coming in loud and clear from Lakewood, Mac. Hello, I'm loud and clear. You are loud and clear. How are you guys doing tonight? And gal. Doing good. Don't hold on to me. A technical difficulties night that will never end. Yes, this has been a, a night for technical difficulties, all right. All right. And, of course, he cuts out just as we start going. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's, uh, let's get right into it. Research finds okay. that, that men are calmed by the sight of meat. Now, are they talking about breasts? Well, normally when you hear meat, it's it, it's different part of the anatomy that doesn't necessarily come in down. But in this case, they're talking about cooked meat. Cooked meat. Cooked All right. meat, supposedly. Cooked meat. Um, the experiment was taking 82 people and telling them to discipline um, the guy who was organizing the paper. And supposedly... Well, well hold on, hold on. Go back. Tell me, tell me about the study first here. Tell me what they were looking uh, at first before you tell me why he's... Uh, well, the, the theory was that actually looking at meat would make men more aggressive. Okay, that's fine. And this was done um, by a was it postgraduate work, I believe. Yeah, it's a postgraduate. Now he, but it said, didn't they say that they were actually looking a study for multitasking? No, this was um about aggressive behavior. Oh, it's all I, about aggression. I thought I had heard that. Okay, I thought I had read that in somewhere. I, I don't think I've seen anything about multitasking. Okay. It's been about Strike that. exploring aggressive behavior. They might have been told. That's what oh, that's what they were. Okay, that's what they were told. But the study itself was to um, was always about aggression. Okay. So, um, like I said, they took eighty-two guys. They um, were told that um, if the guy screws up, you're supposed to um, inflict punishment on him. So it was one of these studies. Yeah, and what it was found was that the subjects were less likely to choose to inflict pain if they were looking at a photo of cooked meat when the mistakes were made. Wow. Wait, so they were less likely to inflict the pain if if they... If they were looking at a photo of cooked meat at that time. Okay. So what, what was the result of this stuff? Here? Well, the conclusion um, they came up was that um, cooked meat actually calms men down. And the reasoning was because by the time you get cooked, you've already done the hunting, you've already done the preparation, and you're now surrounded by your family and stuff, and you're at the point where you don't need the aggression anymore to... Uh, you know, get the meat. It's already there. It's already prepared. It's ready to go. Okay, that sounds like a huge stretch for for what for. They might have had this effect. Let's say they did have this effect. It's a huge stretch for them to come up with. This is the reason why. Yeah. Well, but they're looking for the reason. That's the first one that they came up with. It sounds like is there other reasons? Yeah. Well, that's the hard thing to know in anything like this. If there is actually a connection, if, if they can repeat this test and get the exact same kind of result somehow, you know, could they say, okay, what is the actual cause? That's going to be a lot more difficult than actually saying the, you know, looking at cooking means us. All right. So there's actually figure lot. out the true reason. Yeah. So I mean, this actually what they're saying is the next um, studies would be dead animals and uncooked meat or the actual hunting stuff like that to see if that causes aggression. And he wants to intermix pictures of. Yeah. Well, one of the so, things I found kind of interesting about this is one of the comments on this. Uh, one of the comments is the person said that he was actually a participant in the study and they were inflicting the tone blasts by circling numbers on a piece of paper. So there's no way that that circling the numbers could actually translate into a tone blast in real time. Also, the supposedly live video of the actor showed no signs of receiving the tone blasts. I don't know if this person actually was a member of the of a participant in the study or not, but there's no reason to say he wasn't either. Yeah, yeah well, so, uh, if you look at some of the other links we've thrown up, I'm talking about some different takes aren't looking at it. You know, this is undergraduate work. This guy isn't a professor or anything. This is, you know, a, he's a student that did it. And so, you know, he's not even close to being an expert. You right. know, so you have to take a lot of this with a grain of salt looking at, you know, who did it. You know, there's going to be limits and such. Okay, but so an it's expert, an interesting concept, but he he's an I undergraduate student. I may have to take it with an entire. I may have to take it with yes. an entire container of salt. Okay, I, I I can't I can't let him off just because he's an undergraduate student because he should have run this pet through an advisor who would have you know looked at his methodology and helped him to make corrections where needed. 
and it, it, with a methodology that bad, I, I, I wonder if his advisor would have let it let it go through. I mean, maybe they did, and they didn't realize how bad the methodology was. And the other problem is that I don't see a methodology. Nowhere in it do they say the methodology. We have one link to somebody saying, hey, I was in the study, and the, this is the methodology. And I, I haven't found that anywhere else. Have you? Well, I haven't quite found out how it spread. This is the type of thing that got out there and spread. Uh, um, it's practically viral. Yeah, it basically was a thesis. I, I, I don't think he necessarily tried to publish it. So, like, someone got a hold of it and it took off. It does kind of sound like that. Because it's saying it was not peer review, it was an undergraduate study. But you look know. at the sources that picked it up. Like, LA Weekly, okay? Daily Mail. Um, well, we know what we think of the Daily Mail. We know what we think of the Daily Mail. And it, it seems like it got picked up. Because it was trendy and because it was hot. This is this is terrible reporting. Everybody who right. put this thing out didn't did not look at this study. They saw an interesting piece and they went with it. And this is one of the problems that we have in scientific reporting is that nobody wants to do it properly. It takes right. effort and work. And this was a fluff piece that is everywhere yeah. now. And what a piece yeah, of trash. Yeah, interesting concepts to it and a study that might actually warrant some work. Okay. But uh, put it out there in science right now. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, now, the concept, there's some stuff there that makes sense. You know, the prepared meal, when you're done, yeah, that, I, I can see why that would be relaxing, when, you know, a prepared meal in front of you. That sounds an awful lot so, like somebody trying to add reason to something that doesn't make sense. I agree. It's not, it's not actually a theory. It's like, oh, well, maybe it's because of this. It's ad hoc reasoning. It, it's it's yeah. it's kind of giving, you know, it's giving an explanation after the fact. As right, well. but I, mean, I understand the explanation. There's logic to it. Though. Yeah, I, but I, I don't know. But I don't know that I buy the logic. Why? Why, yeah. why should that make any sense? Well, like I said, a prepared meal in front of you is actually relaxing. It is not. No, it's, not if you're the one cooking it. Uh, well, they weren't the ones cooking it. <laughs> you sit down. You have a meal put in front of you. There is a comfort to that. Yeah. You know, there's a relaxation. There's a oh, you know, it's done. I'm ready to eat and dig in. You know what? That sounds but like a good why study. Why that conclusion? Of course, you know, there needs to be more work to make sure that, you know, to find out exactly if, well, one, if that's true, and then to see if you can figure out the, an actual conclusion like that. And, you know, like in your, what you just said, is cooking the meal going to make you more relaxed? Sometimes. So th there's all sorts of ways this can go from here on out. But, yeah, it's definitely not, at, at this point, it's not a true proven, you know, it, it doesn't prove anything. But it's gotten the attention. I, my guess is there will be follow-up to it now because it's, definitely got the media attention to ha have people attracted to the concept. This is the kind of stuff that skeptics have to get out there and, and, and deal with because these are the types of study that this this will live in history forever. This will be like your body loses weight when you die types of, you know, types of bogus research that will never die. What And, and we'll be hearing about this in three years. Hey, listen, when men look at meat, they become calmer and we'll, and we'll, and we'll all be going, no, it goes back to this this one thing this one study that wasn't even a proper study. And you could actually right. attribute their responses to distraction as well or loss of interest. Because again, if, if the methodology this person espoused is correct, then whatever they circled on the paper wouldn't mean anything one way or the other. Right. Yeah. Jen, you're going to chime in or you're just going to leave the caveman? She's just gonna leave, no, she's going to let the caveman. Because every time she comes, in, problem for uh, me. Meat. Exactly. And it meat. Goes, sounds funny. Yeah. Meat. What do you want to say, Jen? <laughs> it was a student working, and you're blowing it all out of portion. But <laughs> yeah, but my <clears throat> that that's fine, and the study's fine, and the students fine. My, but my issue with this is is this is the kind of stuff that lives in as a um say is right, like the weight of the I mean, soul and right. what was the other thing we dealt with recently well i think brian you're thinking you're saying it's going to live as a meme yeah, exactly exactly it'll become a meme yes that's exactly what i mean because it seems like last two podcasts we've also had we had the weight of it the soul and then, didn't you see the, the what was the one we talked about last time we talked about the same type of thing last time i saw the fail blog jen yeah i can't think of what it's called mic you up a little hotter i like it I'm glad I got that recorded. <laughs> he said it, not me. I approve. And we're back after <laughs> difficulties. All right. Okay. I think we got this figured out now. This should work out brilliantly. Okay. All right. Are we done with meat and men? I think I'm so. With, I'm done with my meat. All right. <laughs> oh well. Okay. Uh, I think someone's I, had a, a it good probably break. should be. It probably should be said that uh, Sam brought 
dinner into me while we were sitting there. So you know, I can crack a walnut with my meat. Can you? <laughs> no. You can't. What about the uh, what about the <laughs> walnut-shaped Yapetus moon? Well, let's talk about that instead. That sounds like it's more plausible. I'd much rather talk about that than your meat. Thanks. This is <laughs> all right. Let's go. Tell me about this moon that looks like a walnut, which is pure pareidolia, if you ask me. Well, it it. It doesn't exactly look like a walnut, but it does have an interesting equatorial ridge. Um, what's going on, though, is that the scientists who've been studying it think that they have an answer as to as to why the ridge exists and why it's so regular around half the surface of the moon. It's uh, it's in some places it's 12 miles tall, but uh, anyway, they're they're thinking that the ridge took place because of multiple multiple uh, celestial body impacts along the line of the equator, causing a trench which had to be filled up, and that trench being filled up caused the ridge to take place. I don't know if I buy the theory or not. It's an interesting it's an interesting thought, but it almost seems to me as if that that almost seems counterintuitive to me. Well, well what's cool about it though, I mean about the ridge in and of itself is that it's in places over 12 miles high, which is taller than Everett. Yes. And, and you know, one of the only, one of the reasons that it can get a feature like that is because of low gravity, which is kind of cool. I mean, we, Io has volcanoes higher than, you know, than our volcanoes because of low gravity. So they're able to hold up more. So that's kind of a cool thing about these, is, is some of those kinds of extreme. But anyway, I just thought the article itself was just kind of. And, and how um, are we pronouncing what, the moon? Uh, the pronunciation, the correct pronunciation, as far as we've been able to tell, is Yapetus, actually. Yapetus. Yapetus. You know, Saturn's got a lot of really cool moons. Enceladus, Titan, a lot of cool stuff going on on those two. All right. Railgun. This is cool. Let's, I, I want one for mouse. You Do you? <laughs> it, this thing is bigger than your house. All right. So, railguns. Um, this article, essentially, they tested out a railgun, which is both more powerful in terms of they they sent it up to uh, 33 megajoules the previous test was 10 megajoules at uh, 2008 but the 33 megajoule test they were able to they feel that they could fire at a target 100 miles away with that's, this particular projectile that's pretty impressive it is and in terms of the speed of the projectile itself it's something like 7.5 10 or 11 10 yeah. or 11 times faster than the speed of a the speed of it. Right, Mach 7.5. I mean it was it, and it's a really cool shot watching that thing, you know, the, with the and the high speed <laughs> yeah. camera. And I was amazed, you know, you think railgun, you know, I, I mean, there was a lot of a, a lot of um energy being dispersed. You can see a lot of fire coming out of the goes. Well, and they were talking about the fact that you don't have to eject a shell after each projectile. So the railgun can fire a continuous stream of these particles as long as there's energy and particles to fire. Well, continuous as long as you only want to fire three because that's all the rails are going to hold up. Okay. I, I think actually I saw something in terms of somebody firing about 15 particles in succession. Well, they this this article says that they feel that the rails will hold up for three firings. And that's one of the hurdles that they have to overcome. The other issue that they have is, um, you know, these battleships that they'd like to put these on. Um, they they have the power to to fire these, um, but um, it would they would take power from the engine. And the and the boats that do have nuclear power plants aren't producing electricity. So even though they would have the um, be able to produce the energy and still maneuver, the, um, they would have refitted them to or in order to support kind of of a gun. So there's well, a yeah. lot of there's a lot of issues. But what they like about them is the space issue. You know, because the projectiles are they're caseless, um, but it's a matter of getting the energy out there. Which well, it's, they also said it was a safety thing, right? Because these won't blow up your boat because they're they're not explosives in and of themselves, right? But I don't want to be next no. to it when it goes off. They can carry an explosive payload, but in addition to that, though, this is essentially making the big gun dreadnought viable again. Instead of just instead of everything being down to missiles. It's back to gunnery again. Sure. Well, I mean that. Yeah. Well, it's certainly versatile in that respect, but they have to get over the hurdle. One, they have to be able to put enough power on the boats. Right. And two, they have to be able to, the rails need to hold up more. One of the things that I found kind of interesting also is they talk about the railgun as opposed to a Gauss gun, which is essentially uh, powered not by electric current, but just simply by magnetism firing projectile. And I don't know if there's anything successful being tested in terms of that, but just, just caught my interest. Yeah. As I said, I want one for the house. Sure. All right. That'll, that'll, that'll stop the neighbor kids in their rap. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. All right. So tell us about Oprah. Wow. Oh. Are you sure? The, you, latest, the you, latest threat to our health. Are you sure you want me to tell you about Oprah? You, I thought, about I thought Oprah. you were tired of, uh, of my face, faith healer rants. Oh, we never get tired of hate faith rants. <laughs> my hate healer rants. <laughs> so this article was interesting. Oprah is going to Australia, and you know they're, they're and they're looking at the the issue. The problem with Oprah is that you know she started schools and she did, and she's done all these good things, right? And then you look at this um, a mounting mass of pseudoscience that she's promoting. Um, the anti-vax movement. Um, Suzanne Summers, her, her craziness. There was another one on there, the OZ, which um, Doctor Phil. Doctor Phil, of course. Um, and the secret. And the secret, which you know, we we've talked. Have we talked specifically about the secret? I think we have. We did actually have an article about the secret. Yes. And you know the secret, which you know also I think it was really, about the secret for children. Oh yes, it was. And we've also you know, and you look at that. You know, the secret also connects to what the bleep do you know, and a lot of these other um, pseudosciences that are trying to you know take quantum physics and you know use it on the on the macro level. And so uh, the most recent one is, of course, John of God, who is a faith healer from Brazil, who has he has been looked at for over twenty years. Now I have not watched um the uh, watched uh, the whole Oprah show because I can't find it. I'm having trouble getting hold of it. I, I'd like to watch the whole thing, so I really can't say too much about the show. And you'll see, and the um whoever wrote the article um did, didn't see the whole thing either. But the one thing I did notice is that the people that they sent down to investigate the claim probably. We're not technically qualified to do this. If you had really wanted to investigate the claim, sending a psychologist is a good start. And the gentleman that went down there was a psychologist. But then you start looking at some of the stuff on his website and stuff like that. He doesn't seem like he's overly critical about the. He he'd like to believe kind of opinion that that I formed um, reading about some of his others. And well, when I, I guess. One of my questions here, I guess, is going to be is, does Oprah really believe in what she's got on the show? Or is you know she what? simply putting on the show what people are interested in, what sells? We know that she likes the secret. I mean, there, there's no doubt there. She's, I mean, and, and she, and she, how many times has she had Jenny McCarthy on? You know, I A mean. Lot. I, he, An awful lot of times. Yeah. So she's. I, I don't care if she believes at this point. She's promoting pseudosciences and she's promoting harmful pseudoscience. Annie Bax is is one of them. The the John of God faith healing, the these these claims have been looked at. He he's doing he's doing stuff you know with the chicken parts and and a lot of and a lot of the kind of you know sleight of hand things that we've seen. Um, he does another thing where he scrapes the eyeball. Now I watched the the video that they show of him doing this, and it's hard to see that he's actually doing anything. We know that he that he'll scrape the whites of the eye. Um, this guy claims he was scraping the cornea. You know, it's, it's hard to tell from the video. He's doing something with the knife, but he might, if he's even touching it, it's hard to tell. He might just be touching it. It doesn't look like he's actually scraping. But we know that they, that they will scrape the whites of the eye because you don't have a lot of pain receptors and stuff over there. And, and so you can kind of get away with it. Um, this thing he does with the nose, he, he'll take kind of a gauze thing and stuff it in the nose. And on his website, there's a claim that it, you know, it touches the brain or something. But it's like, well, how does it get through the... All the you know all the uh, the bone back there in order to do well, that. Well, you know, heck, you whack it, you whack something hard enough, it'll get it, it'll get through that bone. <laughs> yeah, well, if you whack it that hard, but people are amazed by this because you know your nasal cavity back there is fairly big. I mean, you've seen people tap nails and stuff in there, and so uh-huh. it, it it can be done. And but when when you when that's done to somebody, and I haven't had it done it myself, it, I, I think I'd like to um, just to experience <laughs> it. Because it doesn't sound painful or anything, but you're, it's amazing just how far you can get something in there. And you know, I you know I can only get my little finger in there so far. <laughs> I gotta choose another instrument, apparently. So he he does that. There's a lot of other carny things that he does, but these things have been investigated for years. Now, if they had really wanted to get to the bottom of this, you know, one of the first people that comes to mind is James Randi, and he, and you know, a magician should be part of your of your of your crew. The other thing is that a lot of these claims are surgical claims, so you've got to have a, a surgeon, somebody who's you know qualified to look at the um, maybe even a biologist, you know, or somebody who who's more qualified to investigate those. You've got to have a team of people. You can't send one one skeptic down there you know and and you know skeptic in quotes 
and expect to find anything out. They didn't really do that much investigation. They made claims that they were trying to get these records and surgical records, and they, and you know, in the video they show some slides and stuff like that. But it didn't appear, at least in in the bits and pieces that I have been able to find video for, that they really did that much investigation. And maybe they did. And uh, you know, at one point the guy is bleeding for some reason, and you know, and he's bleeding and he's getting worried, you know, because it's not clotting. He expects it, and you know, I, I don't know how he got cut but you know they wanted to they wanted to relate it back to yesterday's um psychic healing she's like well maybe i got a psychic healing and didn't know about it and all of a sudden you're bleeding you know <laughs> i mean it's like <laughs> that doesn't sound like a psychic healing it doesn't like a, yeah so you sounds know like a psychic attack right and well, well it I'm, sounds like they're looking for you know the more outrageous excuses is well, what's yeah. going on. And so it's like, well, what I want to know is what happened before he was bleeding. I mean, did something nick him? I mean, what is anything could happen? So he's bleeding. It doesn't prove anything, but they but they have this want to try and relate it back to something. You know, they, they, they want to connect it so badly that they make these connections, whether they're true or not. And the guy just, I mean, he was not very... Um, coherent about some of those kinds of things but i understand that at the same time it's like when we went to see um christopher moon albeit you know i was not sympathetic to his position it's hard to come sometimes come up with questions in me and be clear about what you're hearing and, and make the proper connections um particularly when it's the first time that you've heard it or when you're in in the middle and, you, and you're in the moment of all this stuff and we see this a lot when you're in the moment of something you kind of go with it because you're there but there might be peer pressure there's all sorts of reasons that you might buy into it when it's going on and then when you can walk away with and get some distance and you can look at these things again and go you know what, now that I'm looking at that, you know, these are the questions that I should have asked. And so you've got so you've got to do that and make your list of questions and go back and trying to confront those things. You, you can't expect to come up with, you know, with a conclusion based on one visit. The one visit is, is purely informational. You and so you so I guess you know in the same respects now I've got to go back and, and see Christopher Moon you know if I really want to you know investigate that further and and right. but Christopher Moon I mean there's I mean that once again much like John of God there's a I mean he he's been investigated we we have a pretty good idea of what he's doing if somebody wanted to set up a double blind test to actually test him and actually and, and actually go through this you know I might suggest rheumatoid arthritis you know we're already you know we're already we know that we can use placebos for that you know we, we've seen all um but you know maybe that would be one that would be a good one to address you know pick something that you can get multiple people that have it and you can do a, a you know double blind test and see if you can see any results from it i mean it can be done and it can be done properly but but they didn't do it but on this show all he did is go down and visit and it a whole bunch of anecdotes um as well so it, it it's difficult to to look at all this stuff and you know the, and they're and they're they're building a show, right? I mean, they they're putting on a show, and that has to come first. And so, Ryan. so they only need one. Am I? Do you want me to stop? Ryan. I'm sorry. Look at some meat, man. Look at some meat. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just looking at this other article that you put up about uh, about the same thing about, and we've got testimonials here, and they seem to fall into three categories, which is they never really had the disease, they still have the disease, or they can't be tracked down. Like this one lady talking about the fact that she got this nasal probe thing and she had tests afterwards and still has the still has the malignant tumor. So right. So I mean, so what? But they feel better, and they certainly do. They they they, they you know they go down there and they get that that kind of they get it. Let's call it an energy boost. You know, they get that morale boost, and they feel better after going down there. Well, I can't argue with that. You know. Yeah. Well, well last week we talked about how the um. Was the homeopathy stuff? The yeah. placebo wasn't as important as having that contact. Right, but then and, we we can go back to they felt better, but were there act whether was there any actual improvement? Right, well, I imagine there was probably some improvement when the nasal probe was actually pulled out. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> that just makes me cringe. I I don't. It's I I I can't say that the guy doesn't believe that he's really helping people, but I don't see that. What he's doing is actually doing any real good. I haven't seen anything that indicates that anybody was actually healed. So, no, there there isn't. That's the that's the thing. Every anecdote was I felt so much better. 
You know, I felt the energy. I sat in the room and I felt, I just felt good. And okay. Yeah, like, okay. Like last week, that can come from just having the extra attention to you. Yeah. And if you read yeah. the way this is set up, it's set up like a spa almost. You go down, you go through the spa thing, you get this extra attention, you're going to feel better. Doesn't mean you're healthier, but you're just going to have this sense of, hey, someone's giving me the attention. You know, I have more worth or whatever. I feel better. Right. The other thing that they do, though, that really is just aggravating is that there's this whole list of stuff can't do. You can't have sex. Okay. You can't. Well, we know that's a hot button with you. Right. Exactly. No, but you can't have sex. Okay. You know, I, I guess after surgery that that's not can't, a great idea. Can't drink alcohol. You can't drink alcohol. Okay. Another hot button for you. Okay. But you can't <laughs> eat pork. Why? Hot button for me. <laughs> it calms me. <laughs> Especially when I see no, what the nice grill No, it's looking marks. at it that calms you, not eating it. I, I look at it, it and I eat it. I'm on a seafood diet. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they, they, they set up these rules and make it so difficult to follow that you can pre- they can pretty much be guaranteed that you broke one of them. And so it's like, well, you, you broke that rule. You broke that rule. You know, and I looked into this before, and, you know, one of the guys who was trying to investigate it went down and got a healing. He, he admits that he broke it as he's going through and talking about it. And, and as he's going through it, it's like, wait, what, why, we can just stop right there. <laughs> you ate pork. You did this. You did that. We're all done. You know, we can dismiss it all because you because you screwed up. You didn't even follow the procedure that, you know, you went down there to do this. And, you you know, and you're writing this article, but yet you couldn't even follow through. So they, they make it difficult, you know, and they, they make it – they give themselves a lot of outs. Everything is, you know, qualified. So anyway, so, so like I say, I, I haven't I haven't seen the full show, and hopefully I'll be able to get a hold of it and watch the whole thing. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's more to it than that. Um, I don't know. I I, I doubt it though. I I gotta tell. You, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I doubt it. You know, I I've looked at I've been looking at the John of God stuff for a while now. So I doubt that you know Oprah did a better job of investigating this than the other people that I've at. Likelihood is no. Likelihood is no. No, Oprah's not an investigator. <laughs> she's an entertainer. I gotta so. tell you, you know, I'm glad that I'm an atheist and not an agnostic. I, I should be able to keep cussing my kids, right? <laughs> you should. Well, actually, um, when I first read this, I, the, the follow-up stuff you guys have found is about where I was thinking. It's like how much, uh, you know. But anyways, we'll, well get so the we have an article here, and the title of the, and this is from Alternet that that we're that we're at least our starting point, and it says, "Shocking: Agnostic Dad Loses Custody of Kids." What, which sounds like a hell of an inflammatory title. I mean, to start with. Well, I think that's yeah. why it was, uh, you know, people caught onto it. Okay. So. So the claim is that. Uh, the claim is that this gentleman had has lost custody of his kids. Yeah, he, of his he lives kid. in Indiana. He. Um, you're, you're cutting in and out. Uh, I you want to start? Thing. If you want to start over, that's fine. Okay. Because you cut out so, when you were explaining it. That's what I was trying to explain. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so this man in Indiana, um, him and his wife have had, uh, him and his ex-wife have had joint custody for four years now. Four years. And um, they went in for uh, you know a hearing, and basically it got changed to him being drastically reduced to only four hours per week. And, and something it, else I read said visitation every other weekend. Okay. So, so yeah. basically, quite drastically limited in custody. Um, looking through the notes from the judge, the main thing that caught his eye was that the judge put in a note saying the father did not participate in the same um, religion as the wife, or the ex-wife, the mother, because he was agnostic, and that that um, it, basically um, they, they no longer communicate as well as they used to. Now. Basically, the father then claims that that's the main reason, because that's the only thing him and his lawyer could possibly find throughout the whole thing that um, made sense to why the change. You know, this sounds very much to me like cherry picking. <laughs> you right. know, it kind of it does. And it's for such a drastic reduction, it seems to me that there would have to be more to it. And um, well, well, if you says. look through the other articles we now have linked to it, because that, that was my first thought was, you know, that, that seems a bit weird just for religion. You know, is the judge biased? That's a very hard call to make. But then um, in this one that someone threw up here today. Oh, come on. I did. Um, it, they talk about, it's, what is it? Vet dad, Navy vet dad um, is going off. But in the concept. Okay, Ian, stop. Um, 
Stop. Look at meat. If I can look okay. at uh, I have to sit back. Oh, a comment section on Vet Dad's blog after he... What I had with Vet Dad, Dad's blog is it went completely the opposite. He had a very clear Christian um, purpose. But then in the comment section, someone mentioned that basically the, the real problem seems to be between the father and the mother's new boyfriend. Well, now, hold on a second. As far as I can determine, this appears to be his blog. It's the right name. It's the right location. I don't have 100% proof that this blog this blog was written by Craig Scarberry. However, this blog does mention his separation from the Navy after a term of after a term of years. So I think that the evidence tends to fall on behalf of this. Does this being Craig Scarberry's blog? You know, the other thing here that that strikes me is that the way that they're using the term agnostic. You know, it could almost be that he just became agnostic towards you know the the Christian religion, not that he became an agnostic. This doesn't mean that he stopped believing. In God, it means that he just he just maybe stopped going to church or something. That's all well, that it means. And and he yeah. it's clear in here that well at least as clear as this article is that you know the child was not being told not to go to church. He was no, going to church with the guy's mother. He wasn't keeping the child right. from doing anything. But I'm wondering, based upon reading his blog, I'm wondering if he had some sort of a serious. A serious, uh, just a drastic change in personality. Well, but so he's agnostic. Well, he, the way they're using the term agnostic here is is meant to be inflammatory, but all it really means, from what I can tell, is that he became agnostic towards Christian. You know, much like I'm agnostic towards you know dark Jamaican rums. Well, to me, to me, the the, the way the agnostic is used here, it almost sounds like it's being waved as a battle flag, so he can call the people yeah. to it. Well, that's what oh, I'm yeah. hearing too. But I don't think that I think um, I think the way they're using term agnostic is different from. You know, though, then when you're talking about atheists and agnostics, I found another. I found another blog entry about this. Well, that's the one I'm talking about, the Christian Mission blog. Okay, and that's where and you know it's talking it's, about him having anger issues, and I think there's probably some some confirmation bias in this Christian Mission blog, also. Yes, well, that's but, what I was saying. And you look at the comments there, and the comments, someone who um, looks like they've done some more research on it, saying. The problem is the father and the his ex-wife's boyfriend. Aha. Uh-huh. The restraint order held by Scarsbury against her, against her boyfriend. Okay. Right. And the um, other thing in the article is she says that the, the other claims that, that were in there, and so there's other claims that the judge felt were, you know, they felt that they had re- refuted them, but that doesn't mean that the judge accepted them as being refuted. All it means is that, they, you know, that they felt that they refuted them. That doesn't, so the judge may have still felt that the other – Things that were brought up were valid, and it sounds like anger issues are probably one of them. Yeah, I think the I think the water on this is a lot muddier than than the Young Turks article is actually letting on. I think the water on this is definitely a lot muddier. But referring to the other blog entry, the one that is actually, uh, as far as I can determine, is Craig Scar- Scarberry's blog. He was, um, he is talking about he's talking about. Uh, how he feels like he's gotten right with God and how he's been forgiven and mute and look at meat. Um, God has only seemed to bless me and give me discernment for what evil truly lies out there, even within the body of Christ. Okay. Um, it truly seems, it truly makes me ill to my stomach to think of how much we as Christians seem to get it wrong just to justify something in our or another's life. But in, in this blog entry, he's talking all about his faith and about his, his, way with God and within four years that this blog you know since this blog post was made in 2006 he's gone from this standpoint to considering himself agnostic so it but, seems to be that something fairly serious has happened in this man's yeah, life in any case I don't know you know I I think that the, the waters are very muddy here and I think yeah. they are I don't think it's as cut and dried as the article seems to indicate yeah now, by the way that is his only that is his only blog posts on this on this blog, that is his only blog post from April 2006. So yeah, it's very religious. It's very much telling how great his family is and his lovely, perfect wife and all this other stuff. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it could be this guy went through a break because of the divorce and has lost all faith. But it's it, it's interesting and it, it's, it does bring questions up in my mind. All right. So. Well, tell me about. Waters or money. Yeah. Okay, so. You, you spent some time reading Time Magazine this week, didn't you? I did. So tell I me found, about found some interesting stuff on Time Magazine. Yeah, House MD. It's a, I don't know if you guys have watched this show or no, not. No, not really. 
Faith okay. is a mental illness. Um, the episode was all about this guy who, as part of a, he he basically prayed for his daughter to be healed of cancer, and when she was healed of cancer, his promise was that he would reenact Jesus' sacrifice every year. So basically, he has himself crucified by friends every year, and he comes in now, with be, wounds and coughing up blood. That'd be an interesting one to see if there's actually any reality base for that, because often shows like that do base something like that on something that has happened. So that'd be something to look up. Are, are there really people that have done that? It is a good. It is an interesting question. Uh, well, I think House would agree with me about faith healers. I'm sure. Yeah. He would, considering that House is House is an atheist and actually takes delight in breaking down people's faith. So. So, you know, okay. So the the article was interesting, but it sounds like the guy was, I mean, mentally ill, and uh, maybe that's what in turn brought out these things. It's hard to say. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I it caught my attention. All right. But you know, I I also want to talk about the fact that I think you and Ian would probably be much much happier and healthier if you were to join some sort of atheist church somewhere. Okay. Well. <laughs> Uh, basically, the article I found here, Religion's Secret to Happiness, It's Friends, Not Faith. It talks about how religion can be good for health, especially your mental health, but it's mainly about the community of being with other people who believe in like manner. You know, this is interesting, and it's kind of timely. I was listening to, um, I think it was Point of Inquiry, and the guest that they had on was talking about how people are most happy when they are creating something, when they're doing something that helps a community. And that they really thought that that was one of the, I mean, I, certainly one of the appeals for religion is the community, in which I, I agree with. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we're doing here is we're creating something, you know, and we're getting together with our community to do that. So we kind of already, you know, have our have our little, you know, church going on here. Well, yeah, but we we fly in the face of your belief system a lot. <laughs> and that's okay. But that's I don't think I it's not necessarily about the belief system here that they're talking about. This is just about friends, specifically, you know, from what I can tell. The idea that, you know, getting together with friends is good for you and building that kind of community. So why does it have to be a church? It doesn't. It doesn't. I just caught the article and thought it was interesting. Yeah. It is. It's intriguing, you know. And like I said, I wish I could remember the um, the, the name of the book and the, and the author. So I'll, I'll have to put that on. I think I put it on my uh, on my books to read list. And which, once more, there's logic to it. You know, sure. There's a rationale to why that would be healthy for you and feel good. Yeah. Well, you know, I, religion is important the, in some I'm ways. I'm not kidding about your belief system, though. I mean, you guys do rely very heavily on God for your belief system. Oh yeah. You do. You know, this brings up an issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the atheism is a belief system. Well, see, that's debatable. No, it, it is. Why? It is a belief system. It's got its own dogma, and it does what kind is of its, rely what is on its God dogma? for its for being there. Hmm. You can't have atheists if you don't have people who believe in God. You know, no, one of one of can. the one of the no, because there wouldn't be anything to compare it to. One of the descriptions of atheists, one of the, one of the definitions is just that there isn't enough evidence for the existence of God. That's agnosticism. Though. Well, but that's one of the that's the Richard Dawkins uses that as a definition of atheism, and he gave, and, and says that there's two. There's the people that have just you know that they don't see the evidence, so they said they don't believe in a God. And there's some atheists who who like me said that there's just not enough evidence. And yeah, it's agnostic too. I mean, ultimately, you know, we, we all come down to agnostic because we can't prove it. Yeah. We, we don't know. But there's a difference. You know, at some point, you know, I'm okay with none. I, I don't need for there to be something more. Jen. <laughs> well. All right. Anyway. No, like I said, I just found that, I found that kind of interesting. Okay. And the next yeah. thing I found actually kind of relates back to... Uh, the study we did in Podcast 8, the Dateline article about conforming and how people will conform even under situations that, threaten, that appear to threaten their, their life and livelihood. Well, this kind of relates back to what I was talking about when I, when, when I was talking about how when people are in a group, they'll just kind of go with whatever's going on right? You know, at the time. And now this, this seems to actually offer insight as to why. Yeah. Um, it's actually showing that there's a higher level of brain activity in certain areas when people are conforming. The shared opinion tends to spike brain activity in certain areas. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find what area of the brain. Um, found that people's reward regions lit up strongly when their ratings of pop songs agreed with those of two experts. Hmm. Okay. So, 
you know, one activity of the issues- in the ventral striatum was very high when the individuals and the experts agreed on a song. That's what I was looking for. You know, the one thing, you know, a lot of these Time Magazine articles, like this one, there's a study somewhere, right, that, that and that two of them go back to studies, that, it, you know, the one that it's, it's friends and not faith, and this right. one about, about the brain, but they don't really talk much about the science and what happened in it. They kind of give a, a dull overview. Right. They and, just give kind of a, they just kind of give a... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's got to be more to... They uh, dance around it, yeah, but I'm not I'd impressed be curious with to see if, I'd be curious to see if some of the same some of the same type of pleasure or, you know, bonding hormones like the oxytocin take place in this conforming as they do in schadenfreude, as they do in, in love. Hmm. I'd be curious to see some of those same hormones released though. Yeah, I know. And and this study might go into some of that, but the Time Magazine article barely even references the study. Right. I could have, I should have done this. Yeah. Because both of them start out with an interesting premise, but then Time Magazine tells us nothing. All right. And silence. I know. Hey, can I talk about faith healers again? No. (laughs) Go for it. All right. So, you know, one of the reasons that I rant and rave about faith healers is because of articles like this one from, uh, what is this, the the Pennsylvania Inquirer. Philadelphia Inquirer. Oh, I'm sorry, Philadelphia Inquirer. So, um, in Philadelphia, there is a couple that is um, being tried um, for manslaughter. For killing their, well, I'd say for that killing the, the but... unintentional death of their son, right? Um, who had a um, had a pneumonia, an, yeah, caused by a fungus, um, bacteria, by bacteria, and which the 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 start of the article um, claims that this is very treatable, uh, this form of pneumonia, and uh, and preventable, and that if he had been getting proper care, that he would have lived from that. Later on in the article, one of the things, one of the claims that they are making is that this type of pneumonia, um, apparently you can vaccinate against it, but apparently they, they're saying it's vaccine-resistant. They made a lot of claims. Vaccine and antibiotic-resistant. Right, and so that he so, was going to die anyway. So th- there's some conflicting information here. And um, Well, which the I conflicting information is coming from two different sides of the case. <laughs> well, that's true. They, they, the pneumonia being bacterial or being antibiotic resistant comes from defenseless. Right. But here's but, my thing about that is that even if that's true, man, that's your kid. Don't you at least try? Well, but on the other hand, a little bit later in the article, it talks about the fact that they really couldn't necessarily tell the difference between a common cold and because they were idiots. Pneumonia. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. That, that's I what I almost said. They were idiots. They didn't graduate. Well, they were uneducated. Yeah, they were so uneducated what? and they couldn't, you know, they didn't have enough common sense to be able to tell when their kid is getting too sick. When you get that sick to the point where, I mean, when you have, I've had pneumonia. Man, you knew it. And I mean, you knew something was wrong and it wasn't just a cold. You know, well, the kid, it sounds like the kid was practically starving to death. Well, yeah, I that's mean, the other thing. Diarrhea, he had no appetite, nothing like that. It's like, there has to be a point where, okay, our kid is near death. Screw the religious beliefs, let's get him to the doctors. Well, and it, was it all religious beliefs, or was it also, I mean, I gather these people weren't exactly rolling in money and probably didn't have health insurance. So that may have been a factor on this, too. I, to me, the thing is just, is sad and tragic. It would be interesting it's, to know it's, more it's about a bad, It's a bad thing all around. They should have taken him to the, doc, the doctor. But, okay, but, Certain, but, but here's but, the thing. is In these kinds of churches and stuff like that, that's not what they encourage them to do typically. I understand that. And, they, and the priest was – they're like, oh, we didn't know it was so bad. The priest is over there praying for the kids. Somebody else knew that, that he was in that much trouble, and they didn't take the initiative to say, get this kid to a doctor. Take him to the emergency. The church will somehow figure out how to help you with this because that's what churches do. Yeah, but I'm saying it's not not 100% cut and dry that this was the parents' fault. Either. No, it's not. And, and, and in these cases, it's never cut and dry. But and this it comes could back be that to, they, they could be the prosecutor is just simply trying to make an example of people yeah. that are not really to blame on this. But here's the well, thing think, is that this I mean, is not the first— they are and they're not. This is not the I, first incident with this church. Yeah. Okay? No, this church has a history. I'm the sure it's the first incident charges. with this parents. Yeah, the manslaughter charges might be a bit hard to um, go for, but you could definitely get them for uh, for um, negligence. Negligence that that'd be a lot easier, and that would make a lot more sense. Manslaughter, you know, if if they weren't competent enough to realize that the kid could die from this, it'd be hard to pin the manslaughter. But they definitely were not competent at all. And honestly, I think um, you know this is the type thing where the county can go after them and say, "Hey, listen." You guys aren't competent enough to take care of your kids. We want to make sure they're safe. That, you know, that I, I won't be surprised if this kind of thing that makes gets their kids taken away. 
Well, and you got to wonder, you know, we with with the stuff that's going on in Oregon with the followers of Christ Church, you know, because we've got a trial going on there as well for a uh, for a yeah, faith healing, and those parents don't sound like they were in that they that they were in the same boat. I think they could have taken the kid to the right to, and in fact, we know that the that the that the mother had glasses, so we know that she was going to an optometrist, so yeah. she wasn't relying on faith healing. So we, but but there sure that, that was state, uh, I'm pretty sure that was podcast fifteen. Oh, is that the one you listened to today? Yes. Okay. So we know in that in that case that that district attorney has has tried to reach out to the church to come to some kind of agreement with that, and right. and, and they have rejected that. So in that case, you there's there's no wiggle room at that point. You go after yeah. them, and in this case, we need to see the district attorney do the same kinds of thing after the case. That he needs to reach out to the church because this is you know they the, they have a history of incidents, and something has to be done before another child is needlessly killed. Is this just a is this a prosecutor just trying to make a reputation? Who knows? I I don't know. I I, I don't know any of the, the because information. of what's going on and well, the fact that it's news. Well, but here's the thing: is that it needs to be tried. I mean, that something has to be done about this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, there's no excuse to let it keep going like that. But here we also see the breaks in our healthcare system. If they couldn't, if they yes. can't afford to take them, so so yeah, so there's some issues there too um, that can be looked at. But you know, some of them, some of these are 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 they were a member of a church that did faith healing, and and their churchmen knew that he was sick enough, but yet didn't insist the kid go to the doctor. Even if the parents didn't know enough, it sounds like somebody else knew that this kid was that, and they prayed over him instead. Well, and, and then the mother later in the article is talking about how the kid seemed healthy, grumpy but healthy, four days before he died. So, you know, there's there's it's muddy waters again. I, I think it's a I think it's a tragedy when it all comes down to it. It's a tragedy, but well, it's definitely a tragedy. No, but how how preventable was it? Well. We're not in. The, we're not there. We were not there. Right. And well, yeah. And all we really can do is basically stand in the background and say what we're going to say. Right. And that's one problem with anything like this. We're not there. We're not the ones living it. You know, I, I think we all kind of admit there's a level of us being judgmental here. And there is. Yeah. And but the other part is that, we I, that. I, we need to bring. A, I want to bring awareness to this where it's happening. And 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 if we're yeah, not talking it about it, yeah, because yeah, a lot of these are preventable. Yeah, it's not exactly twenty miles from civilization. No. So. One more thing All to be right. aware of. Sorry, go ahead. One more thing to be aware of. Yep. yep. All right, let's talk about orbs. Okay, well, as I've talked, I'd almost love to do this every podcast. Find a video out there, look at it, and say, what is in the video? What, what can you tell from it? Can you debunk it? In and this what's case, in this video is four stationary balls. Well, they not move. stationary. They do move, they move a little near the end. A, a little bit at the end. Now, what I really loved about this one was the guy who was taking the video. First off, he claims, look at how perfect those orbs are. After he tells you they're about 200 feet up in the air. Well, how do he so, know? <laughs> yeah, how, he, he has all this great detail from 200 feet away. These are perfect yeah. orbs. I know it because, well, they just are. <laughs> and he he's talking about the geometric pattern that they formed for him. Yeah. Right, for him, exactly. And these are the celestials, the benign, great, the you know, the kind aliens. He knows that. I don't well, know why. Because they haven't, because they haven't fried him. Yet. Well, <laughs> because he felt the sense of peace while he was looking at them. You you feel peaceful after they fry you too. Maybe. You know, there's an intense pain, and then suddenly just a lot of peace. You know what? Looking at, at and looking down at your makes... body, going, "Wow, that's crispy." Yeah, looking at cooking <laughs> relaxes me. But, but I just loved his responses. You know, he had all this great information about these things. You're like, you can make that de those details out there because the video wasn't. No, that no, good no, no, no. This isn't his first contact with them. He's got plenty yeah, of these. He's videos. got a whole but channel. Well. He's got a whole channel all about you know you know filming balls. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say orbs now. Orbs. No, no, no. Say balls. Because he's not an amateur pod. He's not an amateur porn producer. As far as we know. <laughs> That we know of. He, yeah. Uh, you know, here's the thing that struck me is that... We have it, no evidence that he's not an amateur porn it, producer. At first, when I looked at these, you know, I'm like, it, it kind of looks like Orion's belt. I'm thinking, well, could it be those stars? I was actually... Yeah, I was initially looking yeah. at it thinking that it was... That it was stars, and then and then he pulls back, and you realize, well, it's probably too bright out. Maybe it could be stars, but yeah, probably not. Um, unless he's got something. Unless he's got something that he's. Well, no, they couldn't be stars because of the way he focused in either. Yeah, exactly. They you know, looked so, like yeah. they were objects inside the atmosphere. 
Right. Well, and yeah, I don't know do that either. I mean, there's a lot of glare. I mean, definitely there's points of light yeah, that are there. Yeah, it's not a glare. good video. No, it's not. But the no. other thing is interesting. When he pulls all the way back, you can't see them. So there's no way that he, you saw those with the naked eye. You couldn't see that until he zoomed in. So what's going right. on there? How did he know where to look is the other thing is, you know, that I don't it's understand. It's a very good question, and I thought of that too. Yeah, well, especially if he's one of those that has all the encounters happening to him every time he turns around, which is one of his claims. Right. Because he says he's done spiritual videos, stuff like that. You know, and all the, he's done all the paranormal stuff. This is, you know, he's a expert on this stuff. Now. Oh yeah, he's prime. You know, if you rearrange the the letters of his name, you get Stan Romanek. <laughs> no okay, way. Not really. No, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, the other thing look. that I thought it might have been was um, was dust on the camera lens and maybe some reflection. But when he zooms I, no, in and out, he, I don't think so. When he zoomed in, if it was dust on the camera lens, it would have changed yeah. the it would have changed the focus and then when, and then when they they are moving, I mean, son, they 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 do move. So I don't know. You know, I I don't know. It's interesting. And here's the thing: is no, that they and, are unidentified and they do appear to be right. flying. And I don't so have a perfect explanation for them. Yeah, yeah, they would qualify for a UFO, but not necessarily an alien spacecraft. Well, I, yeah, I don't know what they are. In the, in this particular case, I have no idea what what that could be. But it would be interesting because we do have some listeners who I know um, what they are. That do a lot of uh, film types of stuff that wanted to talk to us. And I, you know, he, he was at the live show and he might be able to help us with this. He's listening. He should write us and, and see if he has some ideas of what this could yeah. be. Any of our listeners watch the video, get back to us with what you think it is. It'd be interesting to see what you can come up with. I know what they are. I watched the video and I have a pretty good, pretty good strong conclusion as to what they are. Okay. Largely uninteresting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, well how I, many of us have seen, have seen something in the sky that we couldn't identify, but we don't just jump, oh, my God, it's alien. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I have seen odd stuff in the sky, but I've not once set back and go, oh, it must be aliens just because I can't figure out what it is at that time. And I'm willing to bet a lot of other people have had that same experience, but sure. they've just had enough common sense to say, okay, because I have no clue doesn't automatically mean it's something you know, supernatural out of, from another planet. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. All right. So NYC Museum to start exploring oh, scent as scent. art form. You know, I made some sense, and I wouldn't call them an art form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this one I put in there because while I, you know, I, I, the art art forms are interesting to me always, and this is just the perfect thing of showing that art is really so subjective. Yeah. You know, it, so what the story is, is apparently a um, museum in New York City is going to open an exhibit dedicated to the art of scent. And, you, you know, you generally don't think of scent as an art. You know, if, if so, then, you know, ha concoct an interesting meal and create your own art <laughs> as it passes. <laughs> but, it's, a very, uh... it's a very ephemeral form of art. Yeah. But. Yeah, why not? And they talk about the scent artist even at one point, talking about the guy who was, was the first to use organic materials to create the scents, stuff like that. It's, it was just very intriguing. And like I said, it's, it's very much one of those things that I don't know if I'd want to go to the exhibit because I'm not a fan of perfumes in general. Okay. But the concept of it is definitely one of those things that's going to a different level, saying, okay, you know, art is really where you find it. If you have a passion for scent and you create these new scents that, other people like you can call yourself an artist and i agree with that and i love that concept because it really does say that you can take your passion for things and you can create things that a lot of people might not like a lot of people might be puzzled about but if you do it right there is a value to it there is a level of saying hey i'm an artist just because you don't get me just because you don't like what i'm creating doesn't make it any less art and to me this really hits on that concept Okay. Uh, this is a cool article. Uh, the only thing I came up with that I had any kind of concern about is I'm wondering what it'll do to people's allergies walking through. But it is it is a very, very cool idea for an exhibit. You know, sensor, I don't think it sensor so much the problem as pollen. So I, I, I would imagine most people will be okay. But some people might be sensitive to it. That, that could certainly be an issue. In which case, they probably don't care for that kind of art much and will avoid it. Yeah, sure. All right. No, I've been trying to put this in here for what two podcasts now, yeah, and, this, and we're at an hour again. It. But we're gonna try. We're gonna try it anyway. Hopefully, hopefully, because we're gonna have to do some editing on this. Um, yeah, so we've I had a lot of pauses. So you, yeah. you can kill the pauses. 
Yeah. So uh, I, I just finished reading the book Nonsense on Stilts by Mosmo Piglione. Piglione? Pig, I don't know. Uh, I've heard it pronounced. Piliucci would be my take on it. Okay. Massimo Piliucci. Okay. So he is a, um, uh, he's got a um, doctorate in biology and a doctorate in philosophy. And uh, so he wrote this book, Nonsense Stilts, which is an excellent book. I really enjoyed going through it. It was uh, interesting. You know, he goes through a lot of stuff that uh, is either, I would say, barely science or, and a lot of stuff that is pseudosciences that really look scientific until you really put a critical eye to it. And so it was a really good read. But one of the things that he does do at the end of the book is try to identify an expert. How do you identify an expert? And so there's five um, five points that, that he talks about for doing this. Of course, he has a whole chapter on it. So there's a lot more information in the book, which I highly recommend. Um, the review of the book is pretty good, and I posted that here as well. So the first one was, how good are their arguments? Have they have they been critiqued by others? And this is an important one um, when, you know, when looking at peer review and stuff like that. Um, just because somebody has a degree in, you know, in, in the field doesn't mean that their arguments are good. And so it's important to have them looked at by others and get some confirmation. That way. So I thought that that was a really good point. Two, is there evidence of agreement by other experts? And this is another important. One study is not conclusive. No matter how good your results, till you get two, three, four, five, ten, or more, you know, you, you can't be sure of those results till they're replicated and, re, re, and replicated often. We see that a lot of stuff that's published in journals initially ends up being not true when somebody tries to replicate the results and, and makes the, um, um, you know, but they, they, they're more stringent about um, the requirements that have to met, and so and the tests are set up better. Um, is there independent evidence that the expert is an expert? And once again, you know, so they have a degree, but what else have they published? You know, do do they have a history of, of doing you know good publication on their topic? To, to Just be an because they have a degree means they've taken classes. Exactly. But if they've it doesn't mean that they've actually opened up and done anything past what they learned in classes until they actually publish. Right. Or at the very least show evidence that they study. Right. And we've seen, you know, biologists who 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 are creationists, you know, and, and really and really bend to this way of thinking, but they've never really published anything. They, you know, that they got the degree to make them sound like an expert so that they could, you know, trash, you know, evolution. So we've seen some of that kind of stuff go on. And we've talked about this before and it's terribly important. What are their biases? So you know, like uh, like Massimo, you can go to his site. You can find his biases. You can, you know, it, it'll be easy to tease out his um, his political beliefs and and such. So you can figure out his biases to see, you know, how biased his research may be, or and the things that you're saying. And that's and that's true of everybody. I mean, look at this podcast. I mean, this this <laughs> you know, tonight especially was a whole bunch of bias. I mean, our biases really yeah. came out a lot a lot of issues this evening. And but so yeah, so they are. Yeah, exactly. They, we we have no problem admitting that. And and. If somebody really wants to challenge us on it, absolutely. You know, that that would be fantastic. Um, and what is their track record? And I already kind of said this, you know, when we were talking about the studies. So so what what is their track record? Do they have a, a track record of, you know, of doing good science or, you know, did they slip a lot? Like we, we talked about the um, a piece of research last week that we just really thought was terrible. And we found out that he's that the um, that the researcher had done a lot of that kind of stuff. Well, let's uh, let's look back at the podcast we did about. The uh, Dungeons and Dragons stuff and the expert witness, the the mother who'd lost her child who turned herself into an expert witness in these trials. And in every trial that she'd been on, her side lost. Right. So, so that, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a track record for sure. So I thought that these were, you know, good guidelines to try and look at because it's always difficult because you can't say, you know, well, the New York Times is always good. You can't say Time Magazine is always good. You can't say that any particular source is always good. You've got to look at what look at you know what they're saying and and look at you know how much evidence backs up what they're saying, how much evidence is contrary to what they're saying. You know, you've got to look at both. Time magazine, as we saw tonight, may make a good jumping off point, but it needs further study past there. Way further. <laughs> so yeah, and a lot of this stuff is good starting point. You know, even the even this one that we talked about that that men look are calm by looking at cooked meat is a, is probably you know when the study's done maybe it was good enough to say hey this actually is a good start a stepping stone let's go from there let's make a better let's you know come up with a better test a better set of procedures so so where it's got to start it's got to start somewhere. I would actually kind of theorize that pictures of women might make the men more aggressive because of competition. It's a possibility. Uh-huh. It's a hypothesis in any case. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, and it's somewhere to go. I mean, you can ask those questions and figure out how to answer them and go from there. Yep. And, you know, most importantly, figure out how to get that result for your research. Uh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's important, too. And that does happen with some of that. And that's one of the problems. You know, some people do manipulate it purposely to get what they want out of it. Well, you know, you know back to the uh, back to the scent as an art form, just for a second. I was watching a program about graffiti artists and how their art is pretty much there until somebody takes it down. It's an ephemeral form of art just like this. It doesn't make it any less art. It's just maybe even more more valuable because it's only there for a short period of time. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> However, we do not endorse graffiti. No, we don't. Quite clear. Unless it's really, really pretty and colorful. Well, there is graffiti. <laughs> not even then. There is graffiti where, you know, the city has had people go out and do artwork in places. And we find that when they do that, that they prevent other people from, you know, from putting graffiti, graffiti up. Yeah, so sometimes right. it, actually putting it up is a, is a good starting point. Well, graffiti yeah. is in and of itself a statement. Sure. So... Yeah, kind of a tangent to get off, but all right. Yeah. Is there anything else? I no, think, I think we're good done tonight. tonight. All right. Ooh. That's loud. All right. Uh, is Jen still there? Yeah. We'll hear her in a second. That's right. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. Leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics. You can do that at 720-295-7785. Music with this podcast is provided by OFM. You can find out more about OFM at MySpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is released under Creative Commons No Derivative 3.5 License. We'd love to have you share our work with other people. Please just do not edit or change the content. 